Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Good morning, Gateway Logan. This light in my eyes is very bright, so I can't see you out there particularly well. Um, it's been over a year I worked out this morning since I've got um, had the privilege of preaching down here at Logan and I've always loved coming down here and getting to meet new people. Um, so if I haven't met you yet, as Judy said, my name is Susan. I normally attend uh, the Mackenzie campus on a Sunday morning but it's such a privilege to be here this morning and I loved getting to sit in the front row. It's like the prime seats of worship. Hear that encouragement? Because there's still some gaps. Um, It's really a good spot. And when Mike and the team up here stopped playing, it was like I could hear angels behind me. It was a taste of heaven. What heaven is going to be like as we come into his presence and worship him. Did my soul good, so thank you, which is... is, uh, a great lead in and thank you Judy for your word this morning because today we are going to be talking about singing. I hope that you have been enjoying this Rhythms of Grace series that we have been doing. Learning to live the way that God intended us to live. You know in our modern day culture we live at such a fast pace, a pace that God never intended for us to live at. Is anyone here tired? Yeah. Anyone feeling a little bit burnt out? Yeah, it's a bit frightening when it's school holidays. If you've got school age kids, I hope that you've found some kind of rest in the rhythm um, of the busyness of school terms. But most of us just expressed a tiredness and a sense of being burnt out. We weren't meant to live at the pace that we do. You know, in the message version of Matthew 11, these are the words of Jesus. It says, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. Come away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Sounds good, doesn't it? What a great invitation. And over the course of this series, this is our, our key scripture and we're looking at different ways that we can live in the unforced rhythms of God's grace. To live and walk more intentionally like Jesus and how he intended us to live. As I said today, I'm going to share um, with you about the practice of singing as a way of learning to live in the unforced rhythms of God's grace. Some of you are shaking in your shoes right now because you know how your singing voice is. But please bear with me. You know, one of the ways that God's always invited his people to walk with him was by singing his praises. 
the psalmists, the psalmists wrote psalms of ascent, which the people of Israel, way back in their day, would sing as they walked up the hill towards Jerusalem. We were created to live a life of worship to God. And worship isn't just singing. Singing is just one aspect of worship. And God gave us the gift of singing as a part of our worship because he knew that it would be good for us. It would be good for our body, it would be good for our mind, and it would be good for our spirit. Scripture tells us that true worship through singing comes from the Holy Spirit's work within us. In Ephesians 5, it says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. See, a Spirit-filled Christian has a praise-filled heart towards the Lord. A Spirit-filled Christian has a praise-filled heart towards the Lord. See, when, when, we, when we gather... The expression of the Holy Spirit in a Christian is to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your hearts to the Lord. The struggle is sometimes real to make a melody with your mouth. I get that. Thank goodness God says, make, uh, Paul says, make a melody with your hearts. And the psalmist also says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. See, it includes everyone, I told you. Singing praise is a gift from God to us, even if we don't sound fantastic. In a physical sense, our worship to God also has neurophysiological benefits. That's a big word. Let me explain very um, basically. So a radiologist named Andrew Newberg was the first to study the effects of worship on the brain and he scientifically proved that worship has a significantly positive effect on the brain and on our hormones. So not only is dopamine produced, which is a happy hormone, he actually discovered that the brain continues to grow as we worship. So if you're worried that your brain is starting to shrink, maybe with age, just start worshipping more. This picture, this picture, Nuremberg, Newberg, sorry, talk of the brain activity while praying and it speaks volumes as to the effect of worship and prayer on our brain, don't you think? Does anybody understand it? No, I don't actually either. And there were so many of these pictures. But I'm just showing you there's proof. There's proof. I'm fascinated by the brain's response to worship. There's actually a physical response to worship that modern day science has allowed us to discover. It's amazing, isn't it? Here is the really, 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 really basic summary of Newberg's findings. The results showed a significant decrease in the effects of the fight or flight hormone, which we know as adrenaline, which creates high anxiety and panic states. 
So if you are struggling with anxiety or panic right now, worship, worship, because the adrenaline in your body is significantly decreased. Um, and an increase in not only the capability, but also the implementation of empathetic, yep, that's right, thinking and feeling. So in layman's terms, as you worship, you transform into a nicer, more forgiving, more trustworthy person. Turn to the person next to you and say, you need to worship more. <laughs> just, just kidding. In truth, actually, we all need to worship more. To continue to be transformed, to be like Jesus more every day. A nicer, more forgiving, more trustworthy person. And the test subjects in this study spent just seven minutes a day in worship. Just seven minutes of worship a day was enough to change their brain. So if you commit to just seven minutes a day of worship you will change your brain and change your life. You know, if we've been believers for any length of time here in this room, I think we understand that in the spiritual sense, this is true. But the fact that science has actually proved it in the physical sense is simply amazing. Singing is a good rhythm of life that God has given us and it's good for our mind it's good for our body and it's good for our soul. Good morning. Singing is such an important part of our worship to God. You know, there's at least 10 different Hebrew words in Scripture that speak of praise to God. And seven of those are repeated over and over again. Our modern day translations actually don't do these words for praise justice. I'm going to speak to seven of them this morning very briefly, but if you want to um, delve into it deeper, I really encourage you to do it. Um, it's changed my view of worship even. So the first one is Shabak. My pronunciation might be terrible, but I'll own it with confidence. Shabak, to lift up a shout to God or address him in a loud voice. And we often do this after our singing time in church, don't we? We sort of did it a bit hesitantly this morning after that first song. But that's, that's what we're doing. We're shabacking God. Zamar, play instruments and sing along. The team have done a fabulous job leading us in Zamar this morning. Toda, or I keep thinking, ta-da, um, because it is actually to lift your hands to God as a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, not just when you feel like it. I might not be feeling like lifting my hands and praising this morning. I'm going through some struggles, but I'm going to choose to lift my hands to you. Ta-da. Ta-da is the choice to lift your hands in praise and worship to God. Tahila. Sing loud and joyfully. Celebrate God and enjoy him with a loud song. Sing from everything that is within you. It's an intense kind of worship time right there, isn't it? Barak. 
Barak means to kneel down physically and bless in adoration and in brokenness. Humble yourself before God. It's to bow down and humiliate yourself before God. Sometimes we just need to humble ourselves and get down on our knees and adore him in praise and in brokenness. In Psalm 34, David says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. His praise, Barak, I will Barak in my heart and in my life, I will continually humble myself in brokenness before the Lord. Yadah. Yadah is to raise your hands not by choice, but as a response to what God is doing. We respond to his presence. We just can't help but lift our hands in praise to him. Halal. Halal is where we get the English word hallelujah from. It's to shine, to boast, to put on a show, to rave, to celebrate and be clamorously foolish. Halal for Yah. Halal for Yah. It's to freak out for God. Mentioned over 120 times in the Bible. This is God's favourite word for praise. To be clamorously foolish. To rave. It's actually hard for me to feel comfortable with this word in the physical sense. I mean, I love worship. I love singing. I even love dancing a little bit. But I really struggle with the thought of doing this one. Not David. He knew how to halal. He was leaping and spinning and dancing when the Ark of the Covenant was brought back to the temple of Jerusalem. In fact, he was doing it in his underwear. And I promise you I'm not going to do that. But David's wife was so embarrassed seeing her husband dance around in his underwear, that she says, oh my, how the king has distinguished himself today. And you know what David's response was? I haven't even begun to praise God and humble myself in my own eyes. Oh, sometimes we have to humble ourselves to halal. For some of us, we're humbling ourselves enough just to raise our hands in worship. We all have different levels of halal. In Zephaniah 3 verse 17, this scripture, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love he will no longer rebuke you, but rejoice over you with singing. That's such a beautiful picture, isn't it? It's a beautiful scripture. And I've always loved that idea that God is singing over us, that he rejoices over us in singing. But it turns out that the word rejoice here in Hebrew means to jump around under the influence of a violent emotion. God himself is jumping and spinning around over you under the influence of a violent emotion. 
He's not looking down on you in anger. He's actually singing over you under the influence of a violent emotion. He's singing glad words. He's singing proclamations of victory and proclamations of destiny. God's favorite word for praise is halal because it's what God does over you. God halals you. Can you imagine it? Anyone feeling challenged in the way that you sing praise to God this morning? I do hope that we're getting the fact that praise, singing, worship are important to God. And it's important for us. It's good for us. It's good for our mind. It's good for our body. And it's good for our soul. Today I want to highlight just three reasons why singing is good for our soul. See, singing helps us praise, singing helps us pray, and singing helps us proclaim. Singing helps us praise. The importance of singing the praises of God is evident in Scripture by the number of times that it's commanded. These commands are necessary because heartfelt praise doesn't always come easily. It takes intentionality. It's often a choice. In Hebrews 13 verse 15, it says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. We're continually to offer a sacrifice of praise. There's a cost to our worship. And for some of you, that's just the thought of singing out loud around other people. That's a sacrifice. That's a big cost. Or maybe you've been hanging to dance a little like I did. But it's not just the thought that counts. It's the outward expression of the thought that counts. Sing your heart out to God. We're offering back praise to the one who is worthy. We're offering praise to the one who in the new covenant made a way for us not to have to bring an animal sacrifice to the altar. We get to bring ourselves and our worship as a sacrifice of praise to him. We get to rejoice in the reconciliation that we have to God through Christ. And that's why it's so important to us to sing in church as we do, regardless of how our voice sounds or how uncomfortable we might feel singing with the person next to us. God isn't interested in the quality of our voices. Our heartfelt worship comes to God as sweet and special music. The sounds of his children abandoning themselves in praise to him. God who held nothing back from us. Not even his only son deserves more than just the dregs of our attention or the leftovers of our affection. He deserves and he desires our wholehearted praise. And it's our highest duty and greatest joy to give it to him. Sometimes we won't feel like it. Things in life make it hard to praise. Divorce rips the family apart. 
Our family member has cancer. We feel anxious or depressed or lonely. In these moments, we need to make a sacrifice of praise. We make a choice to worship. We make a choice to believe that God is still good, even when our circumstances aren't. Ta-da. Isaiah 61 talks about God giving us a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. If you're battling with anxiety or loneliness today, God wants to take away your despair and clothe you with a spirit of praise and joy. It's time to todah, choose to lift up your hands in praise to him. You know, last year, many of you wouldn't know, I did say it's been um, over 12 months since I've been here. Um, Last year, I, I went through a significant season of anxiety and burnout and I had to have quite a bit of time off work. And I know many of you have experienced those feelings or maybe some of you are going through them right now. When singing songs of praise comes naturally to me, I found this season really hard because it's one of the ways that I connect best with God through singing. I don't have a voice like the people on stage, but I love singing and I love worshipping. But during this season, it wasn't easy But because of how I was feeling, in my head I knew that it was important. I knew that I had to get down on my knees and praise. I had to choose in my dark pit to turn my heart and my praise to God. At first I had absolutely no energy. I had no words to bring him. So after a little while I was able to just put on some worship music. Phil Wickham's um, album, Hymn of Praise, got on repeat ad nauseum um, for me during this period. I highly recommend it. It's a beautiful uh, worship album if you haven't heard it. But every song on that album spoke to me during this season. And the more I listened, the more I chose to todah, the more my mind, my heart and my soul began to heal. Some of the songs on this album had me literally on my knees just crying before God. Others had me lifting my hands in worship to him, still probably crying, but my hands were lifted. I made a choice. One of the most significant songs for me in this season was the battle song. I knew I was in a spiritual battle and the words go like this. When all I see is the battle, God, you see my victory. I'm holding on to that. You see it. I can't. When all I see is that mountain, God, you see that mountain moved. And as I walk through the shadow, your love, I'm trusting, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. God, there's nothing to fear now, because I'm safe with you, over and over in my head. So when I fight, I fight on my knees. With my hands lifted high, God, the battle belongs to you. It's the cry of my heart, and I just had to keep declaring those words over my situation until my heart turned to praise. I'd be down on my knees, crying out to God, 
for that victory, trying to lift my hands. And over time, there was a definite shift from crying out in desperation to singing and declaring in praise. And God has healed me. He has restored joy. In fact, he's healed me even more than I could have asked or imagined. But I had to choose to keep lifting my hands in worship to him. And it's a daily choice now. Because I don't want to go back there. It's a choice to keep praising him no matter what our season. I've asked uh, Melise if she would come and share with us some of her heart for worship. You know Melise well. She's up here um, every second week, I hear. Um, but Melise, the little I've known you, you just have such a beautiful heart for worship. Doesn't she just shine Jesus when she worships? Yeah. See that gratitude because through your worship and the way you lead, you lead others into the presence of God so authentically and so beautifully. So I'd love to hear for you in that heart connection between you and God when you praise, what's happening? So I'm a natural talker, so I wrote so that I don't just waffle on. Um, so my mind and thoughts are quite intense. Um, I often think my brain is like American highways that like all cross over each other um, or like noodles. Um, I always have many, many thought tabs open and they just jump from one to another. Um, I have anxious thoughts popping up quite often and I overthink most things. Um, it's very easy for me to focus on me, how I'm performing in motherhood, as a wife, as a Christian, in my business, as a worship leader, as a driver on the road, as a person in a checkout line. Like, I have a lot of positive thoughts too, but I usually have to pause and think logically to look at the positives. Uh, but praising God and worshipping Him helps me get out of me, me, me. It allows me to remind my soul, my mind, will and emotions to focus on God. His goodness towards me, His love for me, the fact that He wants to spend time with me. God created me for a purpose and if He didn't want me on earth, He would take away my next breath. But He doesn't, or He hasn't yet. And singing to Him allows me to offer praise, adoration, exaltation, thanks and love to my God. When I'm singing to God, my mind is focused on the words that I'm singing. I'm envisioning myself with God or Jesus defeating Satan or God creating the earth and me in it or me giving my life over to God or God's goodness and love flooding into my life or the fact that his spirit is with me always and whatever the words of the song may be or wherever my spirit goes within a song. I absolutely love How Great Thou Art. My favorite. <laughs> um, it's a beautiful old hymn. If you haven't heard it, add that one to your list against Phil Wickham, or uh, along with, sorry, along with Phil Wickham. Um, but it's totally relevant every day, I find. Um, when I sing the words, I use the imagination of my spirit to live out the words. Oh Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider the works thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the mighty thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Um, so when I'm singing those words, in the imagination of my spirit, I examine the wonder of creation, animals, plant life, our exchange of oxygen and carbon dioxide with trees, like God is so clever, the beauty of stars in the sky, the sound of rain landing on the rocks outside my lounge room window, the beauty and power of thunder and lightning, I can't help but feel an awesome wonder for my God. The one who made all of that wants me and you on earth. He's all powerful. He could take us out in an instant, but he hasn't yet. He has a plan for each of our futures. And I 
just get excited. Um, and that's only the first verse of one song. Then I come to the chorus and I'm ready. My soul needs to get into alignment with my spirit again. Stop focusing on me. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. Oh, how great are you, God. Praising him is powerful and singing these words out loud creates an easier pathway for me not to be distracted by other thoughts creeping in. Anyway, I'll stop there. <laughs> I'm sure we wouldn't mind if you busted out singing, Melise. Thank you. Thank you for your genuine heart for worship. And isn't it true that as we come into worship, there's some songs that just engage with our heart, with our mind, with our soul, that we can't help but turn our praise to him. I love hearing what is going on in your head as you, as you praise. And just to bless you and the rest of us, we're going to sing that song later towards the end. So get ready, everybody. Get ready. It's great. Singing helps us to praise, as Melise has so beautifully explained. But singing also helps us to pray. When we're singing to God, we're also praying. There's a Hebrew word which explains this. My pronunciation will be terrible, but it's tefillah. A prayer often sung as intercession and petition. There you go. A large portion of the book of Psalms are actually containing prayers. They're tefillah. These Psalms were intended to be sung as prayers by the people of Israel. And they were also sung by New Testament churches later on in time. The value of singing our prayers is that singing helps us, a little as Melise explained, to engage the emotional dimensions of the truths that we're saying or the requests that we're praying. In other words, singing helps us to bridge the gap between our brain and our heart to get that connection happening between our intellect and our emotions. And many of us process our emotional pain through singing and we bring it to God till it comes to that point of praise. Many of the lamenting psalms in scripture illustrate this. See, when we're singing, we're asking God for things, both personally and corporately. However, it's good to be aware of what we're doing and what we're saying, to pray and sing with our minds fully engaged. As Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians, he says, So what shall I do? I pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. Then he says, I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding, keeping both mind and heart aware and fully engaged. We know that singing um, is a significant part of Mike's journey. We've seen him up here worship leading this morning and I'm sure on a regular basis as well. And you can come on up, Mike. I, I love Mike's heart for worship as well. I love the way that he leads us into God's presence through the way he sings and praises God. It's really heartfelt and I'm really grateful that you gift our church um, in that way. But Mike, I wonder if you can share with us a little of your journey, how singing helps you to pray. Well, I'm not much of a prayer. Um, 
in times of trouble, uncertainty, grief, or confusion, when, when I don't know how I feel or how to pray or I don't have the words to express what's going on inside, songs help me turn my eyes to God. They often give me the words that I need. When my whole world is shaking, songs remind me of the things that I know to be true. They remind me where my security lies and they give me the ability to have peace and rest because God is big. He's bigger than my circumstance. He holds me in the palm of his hand. Here's some examples. In 2004, we're talking almost 20 years ago, when our newborn daughter was in hospital, she was critically ill. We were trying to move house at the same time. This song was a reminder that God is the same through the good and the bad. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Through 2008 and 2009, the GFC hit. We lost our house and our business. We sold all our possessions. We had no clue what was coming next. And there was no end in sight to the challenging journey. This song was a reminder that God does not fail and his love stays the same always. You stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And when the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid because I know that you love me. Your love never fails. In 2018, we're in the midst of some big change in our ministry lives and relationships. Uh, this song was a heart cry and a reminder of where our security comes from. And I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace, for I am yours and you are mine. In 2020, in the uncertainty of the early days of COVID, in the fear and the rapid change, this one, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You are a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper, a light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. It, it's fair to say that like anyone, we've had a number of crises in the last 20 years. Uh, and it's been a bit of a theme for me over the last few years to be able to say this. Remember how our God has never failed. He's never failed us. Remember that his name will make a way. He'll make a way from the cross to the grave. He has risen and he reigns. Praise the Lord. Sing his praise again. So through all of this, one thing has remained the same. God is big. He's bigger than my circumstances, and he holds me in the palm of his hands. Nothing I can do will change his love for me, and no circumstance exists that he is not bigger than. So various songs through the years have helped me find the words that I needed in the time that I needed them, but I always return to this core thing, God is big. He is bigger than my circumstance, and he holds me in the palm of his hands. It's funny, Melissa and I didn't talk about this, but uh, here's, here's the, the core thought. Ooh. One song that sums this all up. Then sings my soul, <laughs> my saviour God to thee. How great thou art. Yeah, how great thou art. Thank you, Mike. I really appreciate your vulnerability this morning. 
sharing some of that journey. Isn't it amazing? We don't know what's going on in people's hearts and minds as they're worshipping and the prayer that is on people's hearts. Such a beautiful moment of vulnerability before God. But I love how for both Mike and Melise, the same song can at some seasons be a heartfelt prayer where you've just got to barack. You've got to be on your knees before God, crying out to him. But other seasons there, yada, you just can't help but sing the praise of God. Same song, different seasons, different prayers on people's hearts. I love that. Singing helps us to praise, singing helps us to pray, and singing helps us to proclaim. See, as well as being um, a way of praising God, it's a way of praying. It's a, singing is a way of proclaiming. And Paul strongly emphasised the teaching function of congregational singing. For as well as praising and praying, when we sing together... We're actually instructing and encouraging one another. That sounds a little bit strange. But it's clear in, in Ephesians 5 verse 19 where Paul encourages speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I love that when we sing together as a church family, we're experiencing heaven on earth. We're getting a small taste of what heaven is going to be like. Heaven won't be filled with people just sitting and listening to some angelic choir as they perform. It'll be filled with God's people corporately giving God praise, extolling his greatness. John describes this picture of what heaven is going to be like in, in Revelation where he sees a multitude before him, a multitude from every tribe, every tongue and every nation and together they're waving palm branches and they're saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. See, when we're singing, we're not just singing to ourselves. We're joining with the body of Christ, with every tongue, tribe and nation. We're declaring to the world of what we believe so strongly. Our singing is a witness. When we sing together as a church family, we, we have the opportunity of hearing testimonies of faith around us. When we hear people sing and proclaim that God alone is my hope. Christ lives in me, praise Him. And in doing so, we're helping unbelievers hear hundreds of testimonies. Have you ever thought about that? Your singing is a testimony of who God is, of what you believe, of His faithfulness and His goodness to you, of His unfailing love. Now, Jess, my eldest daughter, is, is great at sing, being a singing evangelist. Right back from when she was a kid. I used to sing um, Jesus Loves Me to my kids as they went to sleep at night. Maybe many of you have done the same. It's a classic. And Jess, as she got older, learned to put herself to sleep by singing Jesus Loves Me out loud, which is really great witness when you're in the shopping center and she's in a pram and belting out at the top of her voice, Jesus loves me, this I know, 
I had to swallow my pride. She was witnessing, even as a three-year-old. When we sing out loud, our songs are a witness to those around us of who God is and how much he does love us. Psalm 96 says, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations and his marvelous deeds among all people. Singing his praise, it's good for our mind, it's good for our soul, but it also blesses others and is a witness to others of who God is. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.